Hello and welcome to another episode of Dirty Dishes and today I'm going to continue on with the impact of what has happened um, since my child attempted to take their own life and again this is a trigger warning if you don't want to hear about suicidal tendencies or you feel this topic is too close for home to you and it's too traumatic, um, I suggest that maybe you don't listen to this and you listen to any of my other 200 plus pods that I have posted. Um, Today I want to talk about the impact of things and I was going to continue on with this series, um, you know, have three or four parts to it, but I can... I wanted to wrap it up today. I I thought to myself, I I want to wrap this up in a positive light um, to an extent, as much positivity as I can muster for this. Um, But also, um, I think there's a lot going on in the world right now with a lot of chaos and things. And so I wanted to not leave this topic out there on the table for too long. So with that being said, again, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a practitioner, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist. I am a parent speaking from my point of view on this. So with that being said, today I want to talk about the impact. Um, The impact was pretty significant in my home. Um, It was something that I didn't really think about when all this was happening. Um, There's so much going on around you. You feel like you're in a hurricane of information. You have um, social workers telling you things. You have a psychiatrist telling you things. You have, you know, um, the biological mother involved. You have my partner who's, you know, my husband who's involved you have the child themselves and then you have your own feelings and you know you have these meetings um, with counselors and social workers to see what they can do to help um, the child at home to work through anxiety and to understand things and it's just a lot of information swirling around you and you're trying to find your way through but you're also dealing with the fact that there was potential that your child could have died. There's this, you know, looming darkness. There's this dark cloud that's over the situation and you're trying to find some hope to cling to. You're trying to find a way to ease your own pain, but to also be strong for your child. And you feel at times you're fighting a losing battle. And one of the things they told us we had to do was absolutely lock up every medication, lock up every pair of scissors, put the knives away, anything that could cause harm. Um, I remember looking at a pair of scissors and thinking of them completely differently, completely different than um, I would have prior. Um, you're going to notice I struggle to get the words out today because this is an emotional topic and it is something that um, I'm still processing and I'm still working through and we're still working through as a family. So if I get some words wrong today, it's because I'm trying my best to um, still process everything and um, I think my hard drive's a little slow. Um, But I remember looking at a pair of scissors and thinking, 
these are not just for cu cutting paper these are a weapon these are not for just cutting tags off clothes um they're different now they're wound makers they're they can cause bleeding they can cause trauma they can cause death it was completely different for me i remember looking at the butcher block of knives and thinking oh my gosh you know, where am I going to put these? Because on the one hand, I want to be safe for my child. But on the other hand, I use them for cooking. And you have this parallel dynamic that you're trying to rationalize in your head. And, and that's the thing. There's parallels to this. You know, something as innocent as a pair of scissors is now a weapon. And something as simple as um, a steak knife is now a potential to cause suicide and you know you're looking at the rope that you left that's left over from the clothesline that you made and you're like oh my god you know I have to put this away now I have to either burn this or throw it away or make sure it's thrown away and the trash is picked up right away because I don't want my child to find it you're almost going overboard in a sense because everything that you look at you are now on high alert anything that has the potential to hurt them. You look at an iron to iron your clothes. You look at that and you're going, okay, I don't see the harm in this, but then they talk about them self-harming and burning themselves if they've ever had a tendency to do that. And you're looking at all these things around your house that were just mundane, benign things, and now they're malicious. And now you feel like everything can attack your child. Um, they also warned us about razors, like to shave their legs and, you know, things like that, that she could use that potentially to do things too. So now she has to ask us for a razor when she wants to shave her legs. And you're just thinking of all these things. There's so many details. You, you think of, um, oh my gosh, you think of safety pins differently. You think of push pins differently to hang things on the bulletin board. Your mind is going every which way. And you have to really step back at some point and, and pull yourself together pretty much. Which is what I had to do. I had to just breathe and talk it through and make sure I had these big chests that would lock up or anything that I felt could potentially call, cause harm. And you look at your house differently. It's not my house anymore is basically what I felt like. I felt like this is a death trap. <laughs> and, and this is no longer a safe space. Even though she didn't do the attempt at our home, it, it felt like our house was... A death trap like I said like we were in an unsafe space we were in an unhealthy place and you know there's times you just don't know what to do with that and you just feel so helpless and you feel like you have to keep an eye on them 24 hours a day and that's really difficult when you are a person that works when you um, have to work to support your family, when you have other obligations or responsibilities in your life, or you have other children that you're also trying to manage, it is overwhelming. And 
that's one of the biggest things I can take away from this. It was overwhelming. Um, feeling all these different emotions, feeling all these different things and not really knowing what was going to happen, how she was going to be when she came back home. Um, checking on her every hour when she first came back home and just being in this place of fear and anxiety and feeling so overwhelmed. But also it will, or I should say it did impact our marriage as well because you're trying to work through this and you're both grieving in your own way. And there's a lot of, you know, alarm bells going off in your head and there's all these things you're thinking and feeling all at once. And, and like I said, it's a hurricane and you're just trying to survive. You're clinging to like a palm tree and you're just trying to hang in there and the water is just rising. And you're thinking, am I going to make it through this? Am I cut out for this? Can I do this? Do I need to go have her locked away again in a facility because I'm freaking out as a parent? I don't know how to deal with this. Or do I need to switch and be locked away? You start to think those things because you don't know what to do. Because... Again, there's no manual on parenting, but there is definitely not a manual on this. There, there's nothing. Um, yes, suicide is common, but there is nothing out there to really assist in this situation because every child or person has a, their reasoning or rationale for why they made the attempt. So that's where it also becomes tricky. You can lean on other parents, you know, that have been through this experience. If you're lucky to have that resource, we didn't have that resource. Um, there might be some out there. I'm sure there's some support groups. Um, but in the moment, you're not thinking about that. You're trying to just survive this hurricane of information. And you feel like there's so much pressure and it's a pressure cooker and it will highlight all the weaknesses in your marriage or relationship with your husband, spouse, significant other. It will highlight them and it will cause a lot of fighting. It will cause frustration. Now I'm not saying every couple will go through this, but I want it to be explained that if you have weaknesses in your marriage or things in your relationship that aren't solid or you're already going through a difficult time in your marriage and then you're going through this, it's going to put a strain and you're going to need help and you're going to need somebody to lean on. Um, whether that's a counselor or therapist of your own, whether that's a family member or a trusted friend, you're going to need a village. And I think we talk about a village with kids a lot, but what about a village as a human being? Having your village help you out and being able to understand things and being able to smooth things over or maybe bring a dinner over or something. And, um, you know, just having that support in general. Like, we don't talk about that enough. Um, I... I I really think it's a topic that um, doesn't get discussed too much. We talk about, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village as a human being. We go through traumatic events in our lives such as this, and sometimes we need that extra set of hands. We need somebody 
that is there for us, somebody who understands what we're going through and just somebody to hug us and tell us, hey, I've got you. We'll work through this. It'll be okay. Whatever you need in that moment. Um, So I really needed a village. And one of the hardest things to do was to tell people that this had happened. And I remember breaking down multiple times during phone calls telling people. Um, I just was flabbergasted um, as to how I was going to tell people. How do you bring that up? How do you have that conversation with people? Um, how, how do you say this is what's going on and this is what happened? And, and the logical thing is some people ask why. Um, some people will ask, what can I do? Some people will say, there are no words I can say to you right now. And I appreciate that honesty. Sometimes there aren't any words that you can say. And I have discussed that on this podcast um, when I've talked about grief, how um difficult it can be to find the words or to express anything because plain and simple there are no words words sometimes feel like a band-aid they don't feel like they're healing they don't feel like they have a purpose and when you're communicating to all these people and you're letting people know and you're trying to rally the troops in a sense and you're dealing with the doctors, like I said, and the therapists and the social workers, and you're trying to help your child. And then, you know, you have your spouse or your significant other, and you're trying to do all these things and you collapse. I seriously thought several times that I was going to have a nervous breakdown because I was like, I can't handle all this. I can't possibly do all this because I wouldn't say I wanted to put her in a bubble, but it it kind of felt that way at times. Like I wanted to protect her and I wanted to make sure that she was okay 24 seven. But in the process of doing that, I was burning myself out completely emotionally. I, I was trying to work. I was trying to, you know, also have the normal family routine of dinner and, and, you know, talking around the table and just trying to move through all this as best as you can. And I really thought I was going to collapse. I thought I was going to have the nervous breakdown. I thought next I will be in a facility because this is just too much for me. And it is really difficult at times. And Difficult isn't the right word. It's trying, it's draining, it's emotional, it's chaotic. Um, You're scared. You know, you're scared all the time. You are worried even when they go over to the back over to their other parental unit's house and you're going, oh my God, are they safe over there? You have to trust this process that happened over there. Is this going to trigger things? Like there is so much that's impacting you all at once. And there's so many things that you're trying to reconcile in your mind that you're trying to figure out how to maneuver And I can't explain to you all the things that were going through my mind. I can't explain to you all the things that were festering and and then, you know, your marriage too. And you see that your partner or your spouse, you know, you stop supporting each other and pretty soon you're clashing because 
you feel like that person's not doing enough and, and you feel like you're doing more than them. And you know, that's what I'm talking about. It will highlight the weaknesses in your marriage possibly. Um, sometimes trauma or traumatic events bring people together, but sometimes it pushes them apart. And in our situation, it was definitely pushing us apart. Um, we weren't necessarily playing the blame game. It was more of, we felt like we didn't know how to help each other because you're trying to help your child and you're doing what's best for them. But at the same time, you forget how to communicate with other people. Um, like I would have days where I just wouldn't tell anybody what was going on with her. I, I was just, you know, like people wanted updates. Have, have you, can you update me on this? Have you texted anybody and let them know, you know, where we're at with things? And I would be like, no, no, I haven't because I just didn't have the energy. Um, it was just, I felt like one more thing that I had to do when I'm dealing with all these other emotions and trying to take care of, um, my stepchild as well. And you're just feeling a lot of things as a parent and it's really, really hard and your life ultimately changes. There are things that do not matter anymore. Like the person that you were pissed off at two days ago because they didn't text you back about something. You no longer care. The fact that you have a deadline at work or a project assigned at work, you no longer care. Um, you do, after the hurricane settles and some things slow down a little bit and the water isn't rising and you can climb down from the palm tree and hit solid ground, um, you start to reevaluate your life as a whole. You reevaluate evaluate your life as a parent, as a co-worker, as a friend, as a family member, um, in your relationships, um, whether that's friendships or your partnership or your spouse, you really start to move through a lot of different stages very quickly. At least that's what happened for me. Um, you start to analyze where you're at and what you're doing. And if you're doing the best that you possibly can for everybody involved, you start to think about your job and how important is your job to you, how you rank your job above your personal life sometimes. And trust me, we all do it. But it's one of those things where you really stop and evaluate it. Um, all those things that you felt like were so significant on social media, social media, they don't matter anymore. I have found even since my last podcast about this, when I talked about it, um, on there a little bit that social media just doesn't do it for me anymore. I just really don't care. I'll go on there. I'll scroll. I'll like some things, but it's only probably twice a day. Whereas it was probably 10 times a day before. So I'm really not into it anymore because you evaluate what is really important to you, what really matters at the end of the day. Um, you start cutting things out of your life that no longer have meaning or were draining for you. Um, you find yourself again after the storm. You find a, gr a new groove with your child, with your life. Things are different. I will even say the relationship with my parents um, has changed from this situation because how much longer can I afford to be angry at them after going through this? 
I have to accept things for the way that they are, not the way that I want them to be. And I think that's an important lesson that our kids also need to learn. That they have to accept some things for the way that they are and that they can't go back and change it. That we can wish and wish for something to be different, but we have to use our tools to be able to cope and deal. And I do feel like social media plays a big role in how kids feel about themselves. And a friend of mine was talking to me and she said, you know, you never heard about kids really trying to commit suicide during our generation. And she's like, you know, I just feel like it's, it's so much more prevalent. And her and I both talked about this, um, more in depth and we both feel like social media does play a role in this. And when I talked about the attempt, I also said this too, that I feel like social media does play a role. I feel like kids having their phones too much, not being, you know, outside on their bikes or playing kickball in the yard or being on the swing sets or, um, going to a park or meeting up with friends at the mall, like all that stuff has changed so much. And I think it's important that we go back to that. I'm not saying kids shouldn't have phones. I'm saying there needs to be some limitation. There needs to be a little bit more balance going forward versus constantly being on the phone, constantly being inundated with social media. Because we learned too that anxiety and depression is so much more prevalent and higher than it ever was for kids in this age group because they're relying on social media to feed their needs. Um, whether it's likes, comments, people sharing things that they do. Um, I'm not a fan of TikTok and I've expressed that on here too. And I think TikTok, you know, can be great for self-expression, but I also think it can be damaging. Um, I just really feel that we have to have a little bit better balance for our children and, I hope that if one person listens to this and understands what I'm talking about or who has been through this experience, that what I'm saying will help somebody, that what I'm saying is hopefully valid and that I provide validity to this whole situation from a parent's perspective and how hard this has been and why it has been so hard and why it will continue to be a work in progress. And I appreciate you going on this journey with me and all the other journeys that I have been on um, since I started this podcast three years ago. Um, I started this during the pandemic and I think I've touched on a lot of different topics and I've touched on a lot of different things um, that have happened in my own life or things that I've witnessed or things I just felt like I wanted to talk about in general. And this experience has been one of the hardest experiences of my life. I feel like after a few weeks, I am finally on some solid ground. I'm finally feeling more like myself. I'm feeling stronger each day, and so is my child. She is getting there. And I think as parents, sometimes we need to not be a friend, and we need to actually be the parent and say, you know what, I think something's wrong. I think, you know, you're on your phone too much or whatever it is. Um, don't be afraid to take that step as a parent to put those rules or restrictions or boundaries in place to help that child. Um, 
because they need it. They need structure. They are not meant to run the world at, you know, 10, 11, 12, 14, 16. Um, they are still growing and they are still learning and they still need us, whether they say that or not, whether they admit to it or not. Um, so this is my impact statement basically from what happened in the last month. And I appreciate you all taking the time to listen. And, um, I just wanted to share this because I feel like there's not enough discussion around this. It's still kind of a hush hush thing at times. And, um, I would like to break that taboo. So thank you all for listening and hopefully you learn something from this as well.